This morning, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 19. Psalm 19. We're going to be reading all 14 verses of this chapter. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you also to turn to the back section of your Trinity Psalter hymnals to page 855 in the back, which is the Belgic Confession. We are not having a sermon this morning particularly related to Reformation Day, which we uh, commemorate tomorrow, other than the fact that it is a sermon based on the confessions of the church. And confessional preaching certainly finds itself rooted in the Reformation. So this morning, continuing our series on the Belgic Confession, I'm going to read for you Articles 1 and 2. We're focusing this morning on Article 2 from page 855. We all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we call God, eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, and good, and the overflowing source of all good. Article 2. We know Him by two means. 
First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. Since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, his eternal power and his divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1 verse 20. All these things are enough to convict men and to leave them without excuse. Second, he makes himself known to us more openly by his holy and divine word, as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. This is our confession of faith. Well, a couple weeks ago, we began looking at the truth of the Word of God as uh, summarized for us in the Belgic Confession. And we saw that this confession begins with God, as it should be. We believe in God, a single, simple, spiritual being. And we talked about His majesty, and we talked about His glory. And next, in Article 2 we go on to how do we know this God? And that's significant. How do we know this God? Because He has chosen to reveal Himself. Without God's goodness in giving us His revelation, we would not know Him. We would not know his glory, his majesty, his infinity, all these wonderful characteristics and qualities. We would not know God unless he chose to reveal himself to us. Even that is an evidence of his love, of his mercy to us, to reveal who he is and what he has done. Our religion is based on revelation. Our religion is not based on the knowledge of man, but on the revelation of God. What he has shown us about himself. And our confession highlights that God reveals himself to us in two ways. He reveals himself to us in the creation which he has made and reveals himself to us in the word which he has given we refer to these two as general revelation, that's that which we see in creation, and special revelation, that which we see in God's Word. God revealing Himself in creation, God revealing Himself in His Word. Now, I, I suggested, kids, when we started this series, that maybe uh, you, along with your mom and dad, would read the uh, article for the day, and then guess which text I might pick. And I imagine if you did that, certainly Psalm 19 would come to your mind. Psalm 19 is a psalm that praises God for His revelation, for all of His revelation. His revelation in creation and his revelation in his holy word. In fact, these two halves of the psalm 
there are liberal scholars who would suggest, you know, Psalm 19 is really two different psalms because it deals with two different things. But they miss the fact that both of these are revelatory of who God is. So this morning we look at this one unified psalm which teaches us about God's world and which teaches us about God's word. The psalmist begin, the heavens declare the glory of God. Creation is revelatory of who God is. Creation does not direct us, first of all, to the wisdom of man. Creation does not direct us to an ungodly evolutionary process. Creation doesn't direct us to survival of the fittest. The heavens declare the glory of God. When creation is properly studied, it reveals something of who God is. His grandeur, His power, and His glory. That's where the psalmist begins. If you want to study creation, you will learn more about God and who He is. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim His handiwork. What He has made. The skies speak of His order and His structure which he has put in place. When we study creation, we don't rely simply on the laws of nature. We rely on the laws of God, which are found in nature, in creation. Creation is orderly and structured because that's how God wants it. The seasons change one after another, in continual progression because that's how God planned it. Can you imagine how strange it would be if, uh, if we had winter for a while and then all of a sudden had summer and then went back and had some fall and had two weeks of spring and then the seasons keep bouncing around. We say, that's just so irregular. But God has put order. God has put structure in the creation that is made. And it's because of that order and because of that structure that the scientific endeavor is possible. God has put regularity. Water always freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't do science unless God had placed His law, His order, His structure, so that that always happens. So that things decay at a certain rate. God created a cosmos, order, not a chaos. And that is revelatory of who he is. He is a God of order. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. This story of God is a continual revelation. God continues to reveal who he is day after day and night after night. It's not as if, as if, uh, if you missed it one time, you're never going to get it again. But anyone 
who looks at creation with the eyes of faith will certainly see the glory of God and the structure he has put in place. Maybe kids, at night, uh, you've gone out to look at the stars. And maybe, maybe your parents have taught you how to recognize some of the patterns, the, the constellations up in the stars. I remember when I was a cadet, we had a badge on astronomy to learn how to, to see the stars. And there's, there's a regular pattern. Now, it's true that these, these patterns move across the sky. They'll, they'll change location, but the pattern stays the same. It speaks of who God is, a continual revelation. You can go out tonight, you can go out tomorrow night, you can go out a week from now, you can go out a year from now. And the stars will speak of the glory of God. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. It's a continual revelation and it's a universal revelation. Verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. A universal revelation of God. Anyone can see it. Anyone who looks at creation around us and sees the beauty, the grandeur, the order, the structure must come to the conclusion there is a God who made all this. A God who is great, a God who is glorious. That's what Romans 1 talks about. God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature can be clearly seen from what has been made. Creation is beautifully revelatory of a God who is great and grand and glorious. And it speaks of God himself. General revelation God has given to us. That revelation is about God's power. We read that in the last half of verse 4. In the skies, in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. The psalmist here uh, talks about the sun. Think about the sun, kids. Probably one of the most powerful sources of energy that we know. The sun, bright and glorious. How many millions of miles away, but it still lights up the earth. The sun, which gives light, which gives power, which gives energy. This great, grand, glorious thing. And the psalmist said, and God made his house. God made the house where he lives. God provides a tent for the sun. A picture of the power of God. This most grand and glorious thing in all of creation, God made the place where it stays. And God directs its course. Verse 6, its rising is from the end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. God directs the course of the sun, which appears to us to go across the sky. God is in control of all things. God's in control of all creation. For he made it, 
and it bears witness to who he is. The glory of general revelation, revealing the glory of God and the power of God. And, and as beautiful as creation is, and as powerful as creation is, as revelatory as creation is, there is something even more glorious. And that is God's revelation in His Word. Special revelation. Which tells us not only of a God who exists, who is great and powerful and glorious, but tells us of a God and His way with His people. His concern for that which He has made. His concern for each and every one which He has chosen for His own from our confession. Second, He makes Himself known to us more openly by His holy and divine Word as much as we need in this life for His glory and for the salvation of His own. God reveals Himself in His Word. And even, even our psalm reflects something of that. In the, uh, in the Word, it chooses to use for God. Now notice that in, uh, in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the word that is used there is the word for, for God's somewhat generic presence. God, El, God. In the second half of this psalm, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The psalmist uses God's covenant name, God's personal name, God's name which is revelatory to His people. The name which speaks of His relationship to them that I will be your God and you will be my people. That special revelation tells us about the glory of God in His Word. And just two things we're going we're to talk about this morning. First, the Word of God, special revelation, what it does. And then special revelation, what it is. First of all, the Word of God, what it does. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's Word gives strength. It gives life. It is a refreshment to us. His Word is the bread of life. It is like food for our souls. What the Word does, it strengthens us. When we are hurting when we are afraid, when we are anxious, we turn to the Word of God. And God in His Word chooses to comfort and sustain and strengthen us. It is food for the hungry soul. We are spiritually refreshed when we spend time in God's Word. And just like eating our regular meals is necessary for us physically, so spending time in God's Word regularly is necessary for us spiritually. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It gives us strength. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What does the Word of God do? It gives us strength and it gives us wisdom. It makes wise the simple. Wisdom. We've talked about this before. More than just knowledge. More than just knowledge of facts and figures, but wisdom is applied knowledge. How to get along in life. Wisdom speaks about our relationships with the world around us, with other people around us. The Word of God gives wisdom for how we are to understand the relationships that we have. If we want to understand our roles as husbands and as wives, we look to the Word of God. For there we are instructed in the way of wisdom. If we want to understand how it is we are to raise our children, we look to the Word of God. For there we are given wisdom of training them in the fear of the Lord. How to get along with co-workers, how to get along with roommates. The Word of God gives us wisdom and instruction to, to, to go through life and the various relationships we have, we might live to the glory of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It gives strength. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It gives wisdom. And verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word of God gives joy. It gives joy to us. Joy to be governed by such a perfect, beautiful, sufficient Word. The Word of God is not a burden to us. It is not that which, uh, which keeps us from having fun. It is a joy to be governed by such perfection. It enlightens our eyes. We rejoice in the law of God. We rejoice in that which he has given to us to teach us how we might live and show our, our, our praise to him. The law of God gives joy to his people. It gives strength. It gives wisdom. It gives joy and light. That's what the word of God does. What is it? And again, the psalm is helpful to us. From verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The word of God is perfect, is sure, and is right. It is trustworthy. If the word of God says it, you can believe it. It is that which is a faithful revelation of God and that which when studied will draw us closer to Him. If you are desiring a stronger walk with God, this is where you turn to this perfect, sure, right Word. For this is where God reveals Himself. Where He speaks to us His children. The Word of God is perfect. 
from verse 9, the Word of God is enduring. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It endures. God's Word continues throughout the ages. It will never fail us. Human wisdom can change. Human wisdom may fail us. The Word of God will never do that. It's sometimes fun to go back and look at uh, old textbooks to see what used to be taught as fact. I was watching a documentary not so long ago about uh, the, the Cold War and the nuclear age. And some of you remember this. You remember that if there was a, a threat of a nuclear attack and you were in school, you were taught duck and cover. You were to crawl under your desk because that would keep you safe from the nuclear fallout. That was the wisdom of man. The Word of God never changes. It endures forever. To be sure, it is applied to our local context, but the Word of God itself does not change. It endures. It is trustworthy. You can always believe what it says. It is perfect. It is enduring. It is precious. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. The Word of God is precious and more valuable to us than gold itself. And when I read that, I say, really? Is that our attitude toward the Word of God? If I was offered the wealth of the world and all the pleasures I could imagine, or the Word of God, which would I choose? It is to be more desired than gold, even than much fine gold. It is sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. It's a joy to take in. It's a joy to, to learn more about the Word of God, like eating honey from the comb, that fresh honey, how delicious that is. The Word of God is precious. It is perfect, it is enduring, it is precious. And then finally, it is useful. Verse 11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. The Word of God is useful because it points out our sin. The Word of God shows us where we fall short. The psalmist says, Keep me innocent from hidden faults. He's not there so much talking about secret sins. Those sins we do in secret or in private. What he is talking about when he says hidden faults are those things that we have become blind to. We do them so frequently and so often, they become who we are. They are hidden to us by our own blindness. 
until the word of God shines its light upon our life. Declare me innocent from hidden faults, and he goes on, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. These things I know that are wrong, but choose to do them anyway. My willful sins. The word of God points out my sin that I might recognize my fallenness and be driven to the only answer to my sin. The answer revealed in God's holy word. The answer found in Jesus Christ. The one whom God the Father sent to redeem His people. Notice the psalm begins with God as Creator. What He has done. Where does the psalm end? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. That same God who is great and glorious and creative is also the God who redeems us from our sins in Jesus Christ. And that glorious revelation we find in this beautiful word. If you are here this morning refusing to see the glory of God in creation or perhaps even refusing to hear His word from the psalmist, God calls you today to hearken to this beautiful, clear revelation. It is that which will point out your hidden faults, those things you continue to do, and your presumptuous sins. And it will direct you to Jesus Christ. He calls you today to put your faith and hope and trust in Him, the God of revelation, the God who has spoken to us in words written large across the Scriptures as the only hope in salvation. Oh, we have a great and glorious God. A God who has chosen to reveal Himself. Reveal Himself in general revelation, in the world around us, sufficient to hold us without excuse. And a God who reveals Himself more clearly in His beautiful Word that points out our sin and directs us to His Son, Jesus Christ. How we thank God for His world and for His Word. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank and praise You that You are a God who has chosen to make Yourself known. Without that choice on Your part, O God, we would not know You. So we thank You for revealing Your power and glory and majesty and creation around us your eternal power, your divine nature, clearly seen. But we thank you, O God, that beyond that, you have revealed yourself in your holy word. A word which points out our shortcomings and our sin. A word which shows us beautifully the person and work of Jesus Christ, the only answer to our sin. Thank you for revealing him. Lord God, may may we embrace him as Lord and Savior of our lives. May we thank you for the glorious revelation you have given us in your word. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn together to number 19, uh, selection A, number 19A in the Trinity Psalter hymnal, a setting of this psalm that we just read together. And we're going to sing the verses 1 and 2 And then verse 5, and then across the page, verses 
8 and 9. So verses 1 and 2, and verse 5, and then 8 and 9, and let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Amen.